keeping appointments straight on Skid Row wasn't easy. So the only thing you had to give to your clients was a little post-it note where you got to fill in your name and the next date. And they crumbled it up and put it in their pocket. Mm. So the narcissist is just trained to say, no, I can't. I don't have the tolerance for that distress. I don't know how to tolerate this trigger. So therefore, I just reject it. Feel fit. Feel positive. Feel motivated this year. As a highly sensitive person, I hate going to the gym, just like you, with those sweaty equipment, the eyeballs staring at my stomach, and the unwanted grunting and chest pumping. No thanks. That's why this year I'm growing with a glow in the comfort of my own home via an app on my phone. It's not just a recorded class that I join, it's Lisa, a real life personal trainer from Future, the sponsor of today's episode. She helps me exercise and feel confident with my own custom plan, and she's always by my side. Future is a fitness app that pairs you with your own highly credentialed fitness coach who will hold you accountable and keep your workouts fresh and fun. Upon signing up, you'll have a video call with your coach who will then design a fitness plan unique to you. If you hate stinky gyms but need accountability to stay healthy, then go to www.tryfuture.co forward slash empath to try your first month future for free. The link is in the show notes. I didn't always exude confidence and have peace of mind in my life. On the contrary, I emitted a sense of insecurity that was palpable. I people pleased everyone at the expense of my own health. I hated myself and I lashed out when I couldn't take it anymore. As I finally found strength to leave my ex-narcissist and begin my healing journey, I had no idea what just happened, let alone where to start. But eventually I found my way, one baby step at a time. I found confidence and courage when meditating and doing spiritual rituals that strengthened my analytical brain and emotional intelligence. I am now not triggered and experience 0% PTSD. And it all is attributed to my daily micro-diligent self-work. And you can heal and transform too. With Empath and the Narcissist, How to Overcome Narcissistic Abuse and Recover from PTSD, Codependency, Gaslighting, Manipulation book. You'll get a guide to heal from childhood trauma, effective somatic healing exercises, and how to live as your true self with Human Design 101. You can buy your hard copy or paperback today on Amazon and listen on Audible. And for a limited time, I am giving away free copies of the Audible version of the book. When you sign up to my newsletter, I'll reach out with to you with a unique code for you to listen. And if you've already listened on Audible, uh, make sure that you review the book as it will help with the algorithm and letting people know that it's a valuable tool in their healing journey. Welcome to the Empath and the Narcissist podcast, where you regain your sparkle back after narcissistic abuse. I am your host, Raven Scott, your nurturing warrior guide through the darkness. This is episode six, Beyond the Surface, uncovering the deeper solutions to end narcissistic abuse with Dr. Richard Olberger. Just a reminder, this information is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional help. 
Highly sensitive people have a heightened awareness of other people's emotions and feelings. Just like you and I, they tend to be more empathic and compassionate. Dear empaths, do you relate to that statement? Empaths often feel overwhelmed by others' pain, sadness, anger, and grief. I, my just, I myself, just as the Hindu goddess Kali and the Mesopotamian goddess Inanna, have walked through the darkness, died to myself and ego, and ascended to connect with my true authentic self. Part of that healing journey, I truly benefited from talk therapy. This is why I specifically chose out of all the sponsors out there, BetterHelp. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp and BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. It allows you to talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. With a broad range of expertise and BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network, it will give you access to help that you need that may not be available in your area. Finding a therapist is easy. Just fill out the questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist under 48 hours. Everything you share is completely confidential in therapy. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash empath. The link is in the show notes. Stop endlessly dealing with the surface issues of narcissistic abuse and discover long-term relief with the help of Dr. Richard Olberger. Learn how to break free and start your journey towards recovery today. Are you suffering from narcissistic abuse? Learn how to break free with the help of our guest today, who has decades of experience helping others through challenging situations. With his potent combination of psychological insights and practical advice, you'll gain the tools necessary to escape narcissistic abuse and start your journey towards healing and recovery. Richard is a clinical psychologist based in Los Angeles, and he received his doctorate in clinical psychology through the Saybrook University with an emphasis in spirituality and consciousness. Richard brings his depth of knowledge along with his unique understanding of individual challenges in the context of community and the broader society to create an empathic and informed space for people to find solutions from within. He is the author of The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within, and the host of Richard Listens Podcast. So let's dive into this conversation. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Raven. Thank you for having me. I'm really, really stoked about this conversation. I feel like it like levels up our consciousness about this topic and this great awakening of narcissism, which is like a tiny blip in the, the book on psychology and these different personality disorders. And we're going to dive into the solution to narcissistic abuse lies deeper than the surface. So like thank that. you for bringing your expertise to the show. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So I have a question I want to ask you, and then I want to backtrack and ask you about like how you got into this work. But I just, I have this burning comment question. I posted the other day on my Instagram that I'm speaking at a summit. It's called Trauma to Triumph. It's organized by a survivor of narcissist abuse. 
this person DM'd me actually, because I put it up in my stories. They said, what about healing for someone with NPD or cluster B pathology? You can host events all day for codependents and empaths, but there is limited effective treatment for people who have NPD, ASP, and BPD. So I want to stop there and just get your comment. Like, is there limited treatment or is that their false uh, idea about their diagnosis? First of all, my heart goes out to that response because even in that response is even as we're doing our recovery, we're still hoping that those that have wounded us will do their work or find a way. Yeah. And so I think that's really beautiful. It's also the hardest thing about our own recovery is to keep on our own work. But yes, I mean, you know, look, the, the industry standard working with narcissism, working with borderline personality disorder is, you know, usually been something in the form of dialectical behavioral therapy, something that works with skills, something that provides a group environment. So really all kinds of treatment that are correct, these like intensive personality disorders is going to involve an awful lot of feedback, an awful lot of support because the way in which the individual's operating and trying to control the world to meet their needs is ineffective. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, right. right, it winds up on somebody who's, like you said, an empath, a highly sensitive person who's been willing to take it on. And that becomes really, really toxic for both for the, for the narcissist, because they don't get the feedback. They don't really get, or they don't know how to input it, uh, in, in a way. So getting it from a group or getting it in a clinical environment, as opposed to from your partner, uh, where you have all these beliefs and thoughts about why your needs always have to come first and trump the other person. And so I think that's the most effective thing. And the fact that you can reach out for consistent support, a lot of clinical therapies, keep things once a week. And that just may not be enough when you're trying to really characterologically shift yourself and you, and you're admitting by some level, by being in treatment, whether it's forced upon you in a, in a jail setting, which, uh, there mm-hmm. are, is a lot of dialectical behavioral therapy happening even in LA County twin towers jail, mm-hmm. or it's, you know, you, you do it on your own free will. Cause you realize your relationships are failing and you're causing harm and pain with ideally we'd love that. Right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that getting that kind of ability where you can pick up the phone or you can message someone in, in different hours and talk about ways in which, you know, you did not use your skills or what would be a way in which you could respond to somebody more empathically. There's kind of a self-recognition tool that, that would have to be increased in a self-awareness, self-monitoring, uh, as well as the willingness to incorporate interpersonal skills, which is a big part of uh, DBT. Yeah. Yeah. So I think professionally, there is a lot of support um, and maybe are these all paid or they're like, for instance, this summit I'm doing is a free summit for empaths. So maybe they're like, wait, don't leave me out. Like, isn't there a free summit for narcissists? Like, where is that? (laughs) That's a a great point about it being free. I'm I'm not sure. I'm sure the stigma is right. That if you're going to get a bunch of experts to come out and rent a hotel and that, that it's, it's free. I don't know. Maybe there are some that are subsidized. Um, but I do think it's probably an area that can be explored, you know, in a, in a greater capacity. And being as that I sit on the board of the California Psych Association, I'm certainly happy to reach out and see what, what's happening out there, um, along maybe the areas that we kind of 
ignore or we get focused on, right? We do get focused on the victim, right? We're interested mm -hmm. in helping the people who are in pain. So when yeah. people don't acknowledge they're in pain, I mean, this ties into my greater work with men when they don't acknowledge they're in pain or they're not reaching out for help, uh, you know, grants and funding don't usually go there. <laughs> So right, the squeaky it's wheel gets the funding, right? That's right. It's paradoxical. <laughs> and, and at least in a lot of work conditioning with, with men and even with providers of mental health services, I'll speak for myself. Some are much better at this than I am admitting that you need that support, admitting that you have are lacking in skills that you weren't given them, even though you look like a, you know, 30 or 40 year old professional you know, got it all together and you're in these relationships, but you may be really lacking in some core skills. Uh, they're going to help you get closer and more vulnerable and more connected. So after you're having several failed relationships, right, are warning signs going up or are you just, are you just serially blaming the victim or the person that leaves you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think so much of what we feel on the empath side is like we're receiving all of this, this stuff. Like you said, we're not speaking up for ourselves. We're not giving them any feedback. Like that was not okay. Like this is why the, the big talk in our sphere is boundaries. Well, specifically, like you just said, for them to awaken and to realize that their behavior is not acceptable, just like with a child, you have to tell them. If you don't tell them, then they don't know and they're going to continue in their subconscious loop and they're just going to treat you how you allow them to treat you. Well, you really, you really point out the work I've started to work when I work with couples on the dynamics, right? On these dances that we do. Um, you know, EFT, emotionally focused therapy is on, you know, like what, what is this dynamic we're in? Can we call it out when we see it happening? Mm -hmm. Are we aware of what's happening right now and how I'm, when you and I hear this from you, I do this and start to really notice these dances because they inform us as coupled, but that requires two willing partners who are willing to get through their own defenses. And, you know, at least in the, in the Freudian sense, like narcissism is this deeply defended early wound. And so it requires a, a great deal of, of vulnerability and willingness to let even those closest to us see us. Uh, and that can be a risk that's, that's really scary. And unfortunately, more often than not, the coping skill is, you know, armadillo up, right? Porcupine out, you know, poke your partner and, and, and it's mm -hmm. your fault, blame. And if we're sensitive and we're empaths, we're constantly looking at, oh, well, what could I do differently? <laughs> which is, which is amazing, right? The world, I love empathic people. The world needs more sensitivity right now, but it's harmful for us when that's yeah. our primary source and we're up against this resistance, uh, and it's shutting us down and causing us pain or even worse. Yeah. You know? And just like this response and what you just said about armadillo up, like you don't, they don't have the tools to be able to express their response to their intense sensitivity. Like the narcissist is deeply covertly sensitive too, but because of maybe trauma, like you said, their upbringing, what coping mechanisms they lack, like healthy coping mechanisms or emotional intelligence, then they lash out, they project. And then all of a sudden now, since we've been taking it, we villainize them. It's like, oh, well, they did this and they did that. And it's like, but did you say that that was not okay? And I'm just like bringing this up not to like trigger anybody because of course abuse is not okay, but have you told them that that's not okay? Are you allowing them to continue to project onto you 
you know, and this you know, is obviously, a tricky part, a tricky dance, right? Yeah, there's degrees, right? To narcissism is obviously some people who, who take it to a level of uh, abuse and we don't ever want to make someone feel like they have, you know, the, avoiding the abuse and surviving the abuse. Once you're in that kind of situation, like we understand you have to do whatever you can to stay out of that mm-hmm. um, harm's way. And, and, you know, I feel for those who wind up there or... Like we all realize sometime down the road that these things get worse in degrees depending on triggers, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what we're seeing right now. You know, depending on the pandemic, depending on your level of personal stress, mm-hmm. um, intense time together all of a sudden, right? Due to, to quarantine or all of a sudden the, yeah. the flashlight is on the degree of intensity. So these can both be opportunities for growth and connection. If you, like you said, the, the client that reaches out to you and go, Hey, what, what about me? Like, I don't, I feel ashamed about this. I know this is bad. I see the pain it causes, but I don't know how to change. Yeah. And the second point to what you said is, yeah, sometimes we learn the tools. We just don't know how to access them. So that's why I think, right. The importance of groups, the importance of community, the fact that you know, the experience of narcissism being this, like, I, I'm only trusting my own thoughts and beliefs and emotions, right? That in itself is, is problematic because there's no objectivity. There's no checking of the beliefs. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like empaths can do as well because we kind of retreat into our little turtle shell. I, I mean, I still do this I like out of habit and I have to pull myself out and say, hey, do you want a hug? Go ask for a hug. You know, it's like, He's not giving me a hug today. He's being so cold. Da, 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 da. And I have just like, you know, a, a normal human being with me compared to an actual, you know, NPD. So it's like, pull yourself out. Just I was just talking to a friend about this. Speak, like speak confidently about what you need. And if those needs then get received by abuse and berating, then there you go. There's your litmus of where you need to find safety to figure out if this relationship is going to move forward or not. That's a really, really valuable point. I think you're reading my mind because I'm constantly working around, you know, well, give give me more hugs and, you know. (laughs) That's the thing with narcissism is there's there's like this cold shell, right? Like there's this lack of intimacy because that's the defense mechanism already. Like, Like you say, the vulnerability is the kryptonite to their ego. Yeah, but it really takes sitting in our own power. I think that's the thing that, you know, um, a lot of the work that I've done in, in somatic experience training and you haven't, and your listeners haven't looked into, uh, Peter Levine and learning how to get grounded into our own bodies, like how to slow down, get really in touch with the sensations that we're experiencing when we're around, right. Yeah. You know, and, and to own these feelings. Hey, when we talk about emotions or intimacy, I notice I start to close down because I feel hurt, wounded, rejected. It's just really to start owning what we're feeling and to, and to stay in power, like you said, around, and this is what I'm needing. And it's an invitation. It's a proposal, right? If we're coming from the healthiest place and and is the person willing, right? (laughs) What I want to know if my relationships are stuck is right. Are they open to change? Are they willing to change? Are they, you know, willing to gain the tools? Uh, if all those things are off the table, you know, I certainly understand the need to self-protect and start building fortresses and, and to take care of yourself. Like in the end of the day, we want our clients to be healthy 
and happy. So if you find yourself in that situation and you need to uh, remove yourself or put yourself around a healthy community, start by going to, you know, retreats and conferences where you start to build yourself up. Totally recommend. But let's start with what can we control right now where we are today if you are in this relation and within yeah. yourself, right? Yeah, that's why I started getting really drawn to stoicism because it talks about that. Like, what can you control for yourself? And the reality is the reality, you know, focus in on the present. And I feel like it ties into like in my spiritual journey, like Buddhism and all the things. But it doesn't really matter what if it's any type of label, like it is what it is and focusing on feeling it to move through it and to heal it and to recognize it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yes, I've been doing a lot of reading. I don't know if any of your listeners have read any of Ryan Holiday's book, but a big plug for... Uh, big plug for Ryan, yes. Yeah, don't listen <laughs> to the key and the obstacle is the way because, yes. right, so often we make our parents or our partner, it's like that can become all our focus. I'm not getting my needs met. About, you don't know what it's like, right? We can have a lot, build a lot of thoughts and belief systems, right? Here's where the work I do with like EMDR, right? Getting to our deeper processing around these wounds and beliefs as we start to create, I can't get my needs met. And then sometimes if we're an empath, we start to turn that on ourselves. I must, this must mean I'm not lovable. This must mean I'm not worth it. Yeah. And that can, right. That can add to a lot of the, the fuel to the fire too. Cause once I start feeling that way, I'm coming oh guns a blazing. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that for so many years, even before I got into a romantic relationship. And I felt like because he had so many fears as well of abandonment, he used that to hold me in that relationship. Like, no one else will love you like the way I love you. And, you know, I'm what completes you. Like, you're nothing without me. Kind of all these kind of like phrases and subconscious things because he was so afraid of me abandoning him. And eventually I did anyways because I kept pushing him into a normal life and he kept resenting me. And therefore I needed to break free. Wow. And then I mean, he yeah, actually he, like mentally dove even worse, like really went to a really bad place after I left, I heard. Um, and I felt bad, but I was like, I have to be healthy. I have to ha live the life that I feel like I deserve. And it's not with him. Like the paths were going separate ways. Yeah. To have that strength and courage to do that. And did you find support to help you make that jump? Good question. Yes, I've, I found a licensed social worker who is willing to help me. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but that intuition, there is the sense, right, that when we slow down and listen to ourselves, right? It's not just all about coping and giving yourself skills. That if your intuition is telling you that you feel that kind of coerced manipulation and there's not change happening and no willingness to become aware. Yeah. Um, that that's how deep the narcissist is system is operating and yeah taking care yeah. of yourself removing yourself i just keep getting <laughs> the imagery of that uh famous movie with de niro and leonardo dicaprio um slips my mind right now but you know we're like finally after all the abuse the mom leaves with with young leo and uh, and he's crying on the stoop like what's gonna happen to me right like after like <laughs> tremendous violence and <laughs> So it's a really good portrayal, I think, of a borderline and abusive, abusive relationship. Right. 
And it, it is this deep pain that they experience. And I think the empath sees that. You intu- intuitively know it. And I think that's why you may stay for so long. Like people say, why don't you just leave? It's a horrible relationship. It's like, because you see the beautiful child that is still within this person who has this big shield and their weapons up. And so unfortunately, you make excuses for it and you put up with the, uh, the abuse if it gets to the point where it's abusive. Because it's deeper than that. It's deeper than just like, oh, well, he treats me bad most of the time. It's tricky. It's tricky. Well, it's, that's, yeah, and that's the thing, right? When we love someone, we, we have seen glimpses, right? We do get to see the fragility or, you know, the vulnerability that comes out or we know the root of the wound. I think that's the hardest thing, whether <laughs> that be a justification for rescuers or whatever. But when we know that about someone, we really, we connect to that part of them. Yeah. And the truth is there may be a really deep part of them that wants to be vulnerable and wants to tell you and wants to draw you closer and just is scared to go. I mean, literally, you know, like some of the training, so like, what, like the emotional need is there. And then what comes out in that exact moment, you know, it, it may be that detached that the integration between feeling and action, um, yeah. but it's just not safe for the individual. And that's why we really do need like, right. It's, it's a more intensive treatment. It is, does have to be a little bit beyond the bounds of an hour a week because it takes over so much of someone's character. It's their subconscious. I mean, is it, isn't it locked in like it's kind of conditioned and subconsciously like this is their defense mechanism if they've experienced childhood trauma? And then does it lock in by 18 like subconsciously? It's like just running all everything. Is that true? You know, I don't know. I mean, obviously it becomes really hard when we become an adult and then these belief systems get tied into like how we see the world and, you know, we get a lot of reinforcement characterologically around it. So yeah, I think our personalities kind of become more fixed, at least from a developmental psychology perspective. And that's coping too right if we went through something trauma traumatic or like the idea of i can control this or i'm going to be in control or i don't let things hurt me may have become like this really resilient way of dealing with something very painful um and yet at the same time that it cuts you off from feeling and therefore yeah. being open to other being present for others feel mm-hmm yeah. So it's hard to know is... where something helps us, then becomes harmful for us. The same thing, right? right? It's like our right. own kryptonite. Yes, yes. Yes, it is. Well, and I think when they become self-aware, part of their awakening maybe is like, well, every single relationship I've had, I'm on like the fourth marriage, whatever they want to call it, you know, is, is falling apart. And I'm done blaming the other person. Maybe it has some influence around like they reach a certain age. And they're just like, well, is this the rest of my life? <laughs> and so they have this awakening and they start getting treatment. Yeah. You would hope that it would come from fear or, you know, just a wake up, right? A rock bottom of sorts that it's, you're, you're alone. More often than not, it's probably external, right? The price, price yeah. of staying the same is no, is greater than, than the one of pursuing an option of change. So 
Yeah. You would think that each of these moments could be a window, every breakup, every loss, every estrangement. Um, but not always, you know, not if you're really fixed on how right you are. Right. Um, yeah. That's where I think. So that's why I think it helps, right? Sometimes it takes the therapy, one person you trust, mm -hmm. or sometimes a group setting is great because you can listen in, uh, and be like, oh, right. I can see myself in that person. There's a level yeah. where it's not direct. It's not somebody telling you you're to blame and you need to change. It's just kind of being like, oh. I could use this skill, right? This is to help me get better. There's yeah. an element of choice in that. Freedom of, I'm giving myself something rather than you're bad. Mm -hmm. Or someone's telling me what to do because that's like the last thing that they want to listen That's right. To. There's the element of shame. <laughs> There's a element of, right, lack of control. If I admit that, that what Raven is telling me I need to do or Dr. Rich, oh, if I just admit that I'm weak or vulnerable, mm -hmm. that's really hard to integrate that. If I'm yeah. not comfortable sitting in, you know, what's it like to admit that you're still that scared child? What's it like to admit that you're still lonely, that you're still sad, even though you have people all around you? Hard yeah. to admit that, that, you know, keeping running from relationships or rejecting people at the first sign of their flaws or harping on their flaws has been the way you've been living. Um, yeah. Yeah. You realize it's exhausting. So. You know, I'm so thankful, right, when someone does finally find themselves for whatever reason, whether they have a care, a concerned family member or, or a friend who said, <laughs> go see, go see a doctor. <laughs> talk, so, to, talk, to, talk to anybody. You know? Yeah. So you've seen so many. Do you just specifically cover narcissists or you do the full mental health range? No, I'm work. My, my, my practice works with athletes and high performers. So there's a high overlap. Um, say yes. a lot of work and, I, and I've started Big to focus yes. a lot more on men's work because of this reason yeah. that men yeah. are not asking for help. Yeah. They're wanting to work on their performance. They're wanting to work on their providership, like roles that are comfortable with their identity. And I know that identities are changing and roles are changing, but there's still, I think the permission to be vulnerable, to be the one who um, is scared or fear or tap into some of the things we're talking about right now, these early life places where they fearful. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, they weren't, they weren't raised to, to be vulnerable. Little boys, especially athletes were pushed to perform and be perfect and suck it up and ignore your pain. Keep throwing that ball, you know? Yeah. And I have, listen, I have, you know, female, you know, high performing clients too, that were raised from their culture that you have to be yeah. everything to your family and the provider and well three times more because now they have to like kind of overcompensate beyond their gender right so you know the the work was getting into vulnerability that's why my tagline is stepping into vulnerability and authenticity right to really get into what is it that you're feeling and what is it you're needing that conversation about what you know what is your body telling you what is your intuition mm. um and how to listen to your body you know, because a lot of time there's this kind of like overriding of what our needs are, what we're feeling. Yeah. Or we're predicting, like you said, well, this person right. is going to trigger me anyway, so I'm out of here or I'm going to just disengage. Say something or shut horrible them to them. So they, yeah, they go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> we, we, we are not fully being present in our vulnerability either. Mm -hmm. So learning how to sit with uncomfortable emotions, learning how to get really present with 
what we're needing in, in increasingly stressful times and, mm. and helping people get into relations. I think people are scared of relationships at this point. There's been a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of pain and it's hard once you've been through, like you it's said, true. you innocently draw into something and find yourself and you're like, oh, uh, so the permission to, to love, to feel, and to identify what your needs are going mm -hmm. into something rather than being led by what somebody else needs or dependency needs. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's the aim mm -hmm. for my work. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, right? We can realize at any point in time that we want to become healthier and that that will shift what's happening in your dynamic, right? Yeah. So I think a lot of us are missing the skills and the tools on how to take leadership or how to take care of ourselves in a relationship at times, disengage, maybe it is healthy to disengage. So, uh, you know, it's learning how to be strategic and care for us, care for yourselves and engage, care for yourself and engage. And if need be, mm -hmm. right, if you're, if you, it is that toxic, do what you need to do to get yourself community support and move on. Right. Yeah. Because how much time is wasted uh, being stuck and staying in pain. So my whole 20s, <laughs> how much my whole 20s, I lost <laughs> my whole 20s. I could have dated so many other wonderful men and had so many other life experiences, but I was holding on like a pit bull on a bone. I'm going to fix this dude. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a rescuer. I got it. I'm a rescuer. See, and that's part of like my shadow and i would sometimes call that a bit of a narcissistic trait i was trying to control him you know and i was trying to like mold this life into just what it wasn't and i was just yeah like a pit bull on a bone yeah i mean it's 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 an important part of recovery too is to look at right they say for alcoholism right who's who's holding the cup and so right <laughs> if there's any part of us that needed had a need that was being met that kept us there yeah right um it doesn't mean that what happened to you or the way the other person behaved was it all justified to not right very different but for us to understand right if there's a part of us that rescues part of us that makes excuses or just deeply cares we do we feel we want the other person not to suffer we see the i mean it's really hard for me right i want to see the world get better um, yeah. i'm very sensitive to every kid I meet in the park, every dog I see on the street. So in order to have that be a strength for me, in order to be something that gives me life and passion and purpose, I have to guard it. Mm. I think that's where, you know, the wisdom, we call it the wisdom of the men and men's circles or what, you know, or whatever you get from being in your therapy and having somebody who helps you tune in to really what you're needing. And they're just there to witness you and care for you. At some level, we're 20 and 30 and 40 and 50. And some levels, we're still there at this early stage of development, needing to figure out what will be healthy in our attachment. Yeah. I love that. That's so true. And, you know, I think that the negative shadow part of being the hero is sometimes villainized because a narcissist use that, uses that as a mask. And I wonder, really, is it a mask or is it really part of something they want to do, but then they get triggered and then their porcupine spines go up? You know, it's like so many of this, this movement, it's beautiful. It's important to understand that, yes, this infiltrates everything in our society, but they're humans too. 
And I know that sometimes keeps us there in the abusive relationship to say that they're humans too. And, you know, you have to rage and be mad to stay away. But here, let's come back and circle back in the middle. Like, you know. Yeah, obviously, if you're sitting here today and you're you're living with someone, you know, it, I, we can't, I can never speak to where someone is and what they're living through. Yeah, so the hero is villainized, but that's part of something that makes someone feel good as well is to, to save others. Right. Well, that could be, you know, the famous Cartman drama triangle is right, right? You need the rescuer and you need the villain. So it's just, again, awareness of a dynamic that if I get to be the hero, it's giving, you know, that what's that giving me, right? And that this person deeply may need to feel a sense of being accomplished, being the one who takes care of others, who protects others. And when that's not there, when they, when we can't do that, it may really threaten their sense of security. So, you know, again, that doesn't mean you want to just reinforce this dynamic, but it could be becoming aware of, oh, wow, like, Am I needing, am I the victim here? Am I in a situation where I'm needing to rescue them? Are they in a situation where I'm rescuing them and they're the hero for me? So I think there's just an awareness of, right, where is it playing out where uh, some other subconscious need is, is, you know, which is really showing us we're not present in the relationship. Like, I want to have a healthy adult relationship. So the minute you start tapping on these, if you want to call them, you know, boundaries, it's a, it's a healthy desire to get to a place of being in a healthy relationship. And hopefully whoever you're with is willing to show up for that process and go through the uncomfortable work. And it's okay. I want to normalize that. This is something every relationship is hit up against because you're, you're visiting patterns from your childhood. You're interacting with your partner's patterns of attachment. We're complicated. And relationships are complicated. See, it goes much deeper than the surface. It's not just villain and saint. <laughs> so much deeper. We are complicated. Which then, you know, we're talking about the hero that ties into your book. Tell me about your book, The Zero Method, Awaken the Hero Within. Thank you. Well, I got a copy for you now. Um, nice. Yeah, I mean, there's so many parallels uh, for The Zero Method. I mean, for me, you know, I always start personally and, and and i was trained in psychology don't open up don't be vulnerable you're you know keep every don't share too much personal information and i understand that right it's not it's not our therapy when someone comes and trusts us to come in and see us and we want to be selective but i also understood that there are parallels in my journey and things i was going through that clients or men in general you know that I could could learn from and there were certain belief systems that I had that I had no idea where they came from. So I tell my clients often about, I need to be 27 with a red sports car before I can even be in a healthy relationship. You know, these myths around status, yeah. mm -hmm. um, these ideas. And I found myself working as a crisis responder, 60 hours a week for LA County, helping people in suicidal, uh, you know, emergencies and those who are threatening to commit violence. And here I was like extremely burnt out and very far from my emotionally vulnerable self. Mm -hmm. So they transferred me down overnight, sur uh, surreptitiously sent me down to Skid Row in LA, which is uh, if you, your listeners are all over the country, it's one of the highest homeless uh, and drug populations in the world. Also where there's uh, the highest amount of per capita um, missions. So there's also a lot of work being done to hopefully treat mental illness and homelessness. But it was in a very uncomfortable situation, uh, emotionally, 
literally driving your car and having to hop over people and puddles and different things on your way to a trailer of a clinic that we worked out of. And uh, so it was pretty funny that we used to, it was like a tiny little place. There were six treatment rooms. Uh, of course, keeping appointments straight on Skid Row wasn't easy. So the only thing you had to give to your clients was a little post-it note where you got to fill in your name and the next date. And they crumbled it up and put it in their pocket. So obviously my last name. So I would put down something like Dr. O, 1027, 2 p.m. And this person would take this crumbled post and note, put it under what looked like a ticket counter. And the person would open up and read it. So eventually uh, the person at the front, you'd hear over the loudspeaker, you know, paging Dr. Zero, paging Dr. Zero. So um, thankfully uh, we had one of our social workers on Skid Row who was also a cartoonist uh, who loved the Muppets. And so he drew up. A little bit of a super, you know, superhuman, superman image. And, and I think it really resonated when I started to think about myself. Like, on the one hand, I had this private practice, my passion, my dream. My office was in Beverly Hills, California, you know, helping physicians and entertainment professionals. On the other hand, at night, I was, you know, going back, hopping over puddles. So I, I really like that metaphor that within each of us is both. You know, there is this deeper layer of getting back to feeling, getting back to care. Um, you know, it was a good day for me if I got someone a discounted bus pass where they could get around more. If I discovered someone who's homeless, but they were an incredible artist and I could maybe get them, uh, you know, a class at a local community college. So it, it inspired the power of the human spirit and the ways in which we can make change, which were way beyond status, way beyond material objects. So. A lot of times I feel like the, the men I meet, you know, are kind of struggling. They may check the boxes. They may have the family and kids and the job, but they've become burnt out, tired, disconnected. And it's because these other elements of like we're talking about, who's your tribe? Who's your community? Do you tap in ever to these deeper wounds? Do you go deeper in your relationships? So thankfully I get to be in that position to help them renegotiate. It's not about having one or the other. Not that I'm anti-status uh, or having things and having success. In fact, I want people to have more of it to do more great things in the world with it. Uh, but I certainly don't want the feeling relational part to get left aside. I think loneliness is at the root of some of the problems of despair that I, that I see. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe this is my own made-up mind. Like the stats on suicide, aren't there more wealthy people who are in despair and they're emotionally bankrupt that consider suicide. I know there's like a whole gamut, but yeah, I don't have all the statistics on suicide, except to say that in the recent graphs I've looked at that since 2000 to 2020, the amount of what we call deaths of despair, that is anxiety, depression, suicide, drug addiction has increased, I think fivefold. And then in the last two years, each from 2020 to 21, 2021, 22, it's increased by two. So what we're looking at between the year 2000 and 2020, that I think, right, even as opportunities to make more money and do things at more convenience, there's more loneliness. And loneliness, yeah. And so it may show up in terms of, right, alcoholism or pain medication, right? All these things we do to subtly keep things keep the feelings from coming to the surface. Even our whole relationship to, to pain and, and coping with what, you know, what we feel is physiological pain. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, involve a degree of, right, emotionally being wounded, right? Yes. And that is like you were saying earlier, sitting with your uncomfortable feelings is something to be learned. And maybe you need to do that first in community so you don't feel like you're falling into the depths of despair. And but but once you learn, like this is what I felt like I really got it. Once you learn that like emotions are like the tides, they're like a wave coming into the beach and then they wash back away and and they're cyclical. And I've seen it physically with my little ones. Like I can see the wave come in a wash over and I'm an empath who's super open to all that. So I used to absorb them. And then they'd be like, bye now. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess the wave went back out to the ocean. Let's truck on along. But it's not like it doesn't change when you get older. As an adult, it happens. It just manifests differently and you express it differently. And you might hold on to it a little bit longer because you're like, wow, that really sucked. I didn't like that. (laughs) Yeah. So some of it is learning permission to feel. If we have this judgment, feelings are bad. You know, I'm not allowed to feel right. right. If we, if we're scared of our emotions, like this is very complicated relationships where if it's been right, no, you just go back to work. You just get back up, tough it up. Yeah. There's some, that's why, you know, it causes toxicity because right. We don't know what to do when there's emotions that arise within Mm -hmm. us and our partners, our intimate partners are going to evoke. They're going to trigger us. Yes. That's what relationships are for. That's right. (laughs) So I feel like, you know, the narcissist is just trained to say, no, I can't, I don't have the tolerance for that distress. I don't know how to tolerate this trigger. So therefore I just reject it. You take it. You take it. Your fault. (laughs) Like I already have my own wave. Please don't give me another wave. No, 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 no. (laughs) That's beautiful. Before we close, I had a question going back to communities for narcissists. I know we're speaking to empaths, but obviously you have narcissists in your life. So maybe some of them are at the capacity where they can hear you, hear some feedback. Is there like an AA for narcissists in a sense? Or what, what is the group community you refer to? That's, it's a good question. I'm not aware specifically if there is one. I do know NAMI. The National Alliance for, for Mental Illness is a great place to start. Um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the focus goes to, like we just talked about these areas of despair. I feel like mm. schizophrenia, suicidality, a mm. lot of those that have really like overtly suffered. Mm. Um, and so that may be good for some of us impasse who are like, can't take it anymore. NAMI's great. Yes. So I know, I think it may be hard that, that probably you're right, whether there's a stigma or not, that most narcissists, if they're deep in or not, are even aware, uh, then they're not reaching out for help. <laughs> so it would be pr- pretty profound, like to, to even, that's why I do so much work with creating many communities, uh, for men. We do retreats. So any organization, there's a lot of them out there. Um, you know, if you're talking about men, which aren't the only narcissists, right. But, but if it is for men, the mankind project, I'm part of an organization called the remarkable men practice. These aren't necessarily therapy, you know, they're not treatment, diagnostic, statistical manual treatment, but the fact that it creates a safe space where you can bring your dysfunction, you can act out how you act in the world and you will not be rejected. I mean, you will get feedback. You will not be allowed to behave in that way in community. And I think those metaphors are really mm-hmm. profound that, that yeah. we need to have that experience that we could 
practice being vulnerable, have moments of vulnerability and see how we could get closer to who we want to be or how we'd like to visualize ourselves being, because it can't be talk about superhero that the narcissist wants to be this controlling person with everyone unhappy around. Right. Mm -hmm. Can't be that that feels good to know right. that when you're deepest, right. When you, when you're really alone with your thoughts and your feelings. So and it, right. can't, it can't might, be, it might be like a drug where it's covering up your pain, but it's still just like a drug. It, it has after effects. <laughs> well, like you said, what it could be like to that partner to be like, Oh my God, I'm totally abandoned. I'm totally alone. Like, Right. I see all the behavior that I was covering it up, but now look at what I've caused. Yeah. That's a really painful place to be. Um, yeah. I hope that these organizations, that's the route that I'm taking at least because this is what works, by the way, in a lot of Native American tribes. This is what works a lot of uh, when they're recovering from PTSD in like African cultures right now. They will not talk about trauma. It's not, it's too shameful. Mm -hmm. So they will get together groups and they will allow what they call to animate the culture. So people will dance out their pain. Like they understand that if you start to express and move, I'll move with you. Right. So even the fact that we just use words and feelings and we're very heady over here, I'm trying to become aware of that, that then that may not be how everybody can express. So we may have to get creative in the ways in which we reach this population and try and creating a new pathway. That's beautiful work. I love that. But it's not the empath's job. <laughs> nope, it's not the empath's job. You're right. It's not your job. Giving Take care of yourself. Feedback is the hardest part, but it's necessary. And then yes, and then you need. That's why we were talking about the boundaries. So the boundaries essentially is the feedback. It's like, hey, this isn't cool. Don't do that. Like this is not happening, and this is the the action consequence that will occur. Like I had to finally leave, and then it's their journey to heal. But I love this community concept because we're so toxically like individual and in, in America and in the modern society, not America, but everywhere, modern society. And I love it. It isn't, it's just an emotional like intelligence retreat, or it's like just a, like a, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's like a man's retreat. However you want to disguise it, because if it is therapy, then the narcissist won't go. <laughs> That's right. That, that, that So we have to find creative ways to tap into what is the need and what is the need they're willing to look at and accept? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, in a way, it is some creative marketing. <laughs> but in the, I, but in the way, you know, that's why I call it "Awaken the Hero Within." There is a better version of us there, and and only you know what that is. And um, you know, there are some ground rules, right? And there is um, a need for what we call they call it an AA too, supportability. Are you going to be willing to take in the feedback? Are you going to allow others to support you in being accountable? Because if not, that's going to get brought right to the front every time, right? This cannot be week to week. You stay the same in this new, you know, culture. This is not a culture or a community where we reinforce the habits you have, which, you know, may, may have served you in the past, but don't really work for you in relationship. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for this beautiful conversation and all your amazing expertise and wisdom. Where can everyone uh, connect with you? Thank you. On Instagram and on the internet at richardlistens.com, at richardlistens. Also got a ton of podcasts out there, some on performance, some on trauma and mental health through the pandemic. Uh, do have 
personal groups I'll be running as well as a retreat coming up in early 2023 that I'm doing with the uh, Remarkable Men's work. Uh, so those are the best ways to reach me. And um, yeah, shoot me a DM or uh, Richard at richardlistens.com and uh, pick up on Amazon or Audible copy of The Zero Method. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And Thank all you, those Raven. links to him will be on the blog, on the website, ravenscott.show, as well as in the show notes. I know you're struggling right now and you feel alone and you feel insane, like no one believes you. But I believe you and other survivors believe you. And there are other victims out there. We're all rallying together. And you can join us in the community today for only $8.25 a month as the founding members. I'm going to host it over on Patreon. Going to keep it really simple. It's off social media. It is in our own private container. And I'll be able to host the live Q&A events there and meditations, hosting different discussions, questions. You guys will be able to ask your questions over there and have a really beautiful conversation and chat. So click the link in the show notes to join that. This offer will end January 31st, as this is for the founding members only at $8.25 a month. I also created these beautiful postcards that will be mailed to you in the mail that have beautiful affirmations on them, like little empowerment notes that you'll receive in your mail, which I think is beautiful because we don't get to really receive mail. So it's going to feel like a real treat to get that. And you'll get that every three months as you are a member. And here's what I'm going to do as a bonus to really kick off the community. Starting February 6th, I'm going to host a 30-day challenge of how to overcome the pain of your past from the narcissist. And every single day for 30 days, I'm going to send you an email just a little coaching bud in your ear to give you that extra power and the extra motivation to kick the narcissist to the curb. And we'll have a discussion on Patreon. In this challenge, we're going to cover trauma bonding, childhood trauma, self-love, pinpointing some of our narcissistic traits that we can clear out, covering how to cleanse and release the trauma from our bodies and the pain and be able to relinquish our guilt and shame and self-punishment for falling prey and victim to the narcissist. So that's going to be available to everyone who joins the community. So make sure you sign up to the community to get in on the challenge because I'm going to be hosting it over on Patreon. That starts February 6th. And again, your price of founding member ends January 31st. So you definitely want to get into Patreon before the end of January. And don't forget to grab your free copy of the Audible book by signing up to my newsletter. I'll reach out with, to you with a unique code for you to listen. The link is in the show notes. And remember, everybody, always keep your unique light shining. Losing time, I'm fading fast I just wanna make it last Try to let go of the past I close my eyes, embrace the blast Sleepless nights and headaches stack Restlessness to hell and back What's my purpose? What do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack